Welcome to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of TheRandyReport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet following the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBT community. In this episode, award-winning out singer-songwriter Matt Zarley has just released his latest album, The Estrogen Sessions, a collection of cover songs paying tribute to his favorite female singers, including Whitney Houston, Celine Dion, Sarah Bareilles, Pink, Janet Jackson, Indy R.E., and Dolly Parton. Matt sits down with me to talk on the inspiration, evolution, and process of honoring these musical divas as he shares several tracks from the album. That's today on this episode of The Randy Report. Part of my mission statement with The Randy Report is to spotlight the incredible depth of the talented artists in the LGBT community. Whether they're filmmakers, musicians, actors, or authors, I like to make sure that there's a place for them to explore and share their talent and their works with the LGBT village. My guest today is a Broadway veteran, a Billboard recording artist, and he was People Magazine's first ever gay Hottest Bachelor. Matt Zarley made his Broadway debut appearing in shows like A Course Line, Joseph in the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, and The Who's Tommy. He's also had the pleasure of performing with Whitney Houston, Reba McIntyre, Shaka Khan, Vanessa Williams, Brandy, Usher, Olivia Newton-John. And his passion for songwriting resulted in his first solo album debut, which was released in 2002 through Universal. The critically acclaimed set featured the dance hit You Always Want What You Ain't Got and Say Goodbye, which was also featured on the all-star Human Rights Campaign Benefits CD, Being Out Rocks. His sophomore album, Here I Am, had its title track chosen as one of the 2008 American Idol Songwriter Competition's top 20 finalists in the prestigious national contest. That album was also named one of Billboard magazine critics' top 10 of 2008. Change Begins With Me, his 2012 album, garnered near-unanimous acclaim, critics hailing it inspiring, powerful, passionate, soaring, dreamy, poignant, and a rare breed of artist, soulful and impressive. The album received the 2012 Out Music Award for both Album of the Year and Single of the Year. In 2015, Matt released Hopeful Romantic, an original musical film about one man's emotional journey through love, heartbreak, and healing. And this year, on International Women's Day, he released his latest album, The Estrogen Sessions. Are you ready? And Matt Zarley, you're the next contestant on The Randy Report. Come on down. How are you, Matt? Woo! I need like the ba 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 Could you insert that when you're doing the post on this? I can't. Um, <laughs> Price is right thing. Never gets old. After years of writing your own music, now you've done a whole album of covers. Why a whole album of covers, and why now? Well, when I was working on Un- Uncovered, I, it became sort of evident that most of the songs that I was covering were female songs. And I thought, I mean, I originally thought I was going to release, you know, if not every song every week, or it would be like every other song, or at least once a month, there'd be a cover song that I would release, just to sort of keep fresh and keep something out there and sort of in between album projects. And when I was working on, on, on cover, I was like, God, there's so many songs I just would love to sing. And that's kind of how it was born. It was pretty much, you know, a little 
collection of songs that I would never get a chance to sing in real life. And now here's a question, because I know you wanted to honor specifically female songwriters that, that you really feel have impacted you and your recording career and everything. Did you pick the artists first and then one of their songs, or was it the songs themselves that jumped out at you? I would say for the most part it was the song itself, with the exception of maybe like Whitney Houston. But like Sarah Bareilles, for instance, even though I love her, I, I love her as a songwriter, I love her as an artist, her two songs on, on the album are two of my favorite songs of all time. So it was really the material. And that's pretty much the case for every song, I think. Was there a song that you thought about recording that didn't make the album? Was there something you wanted to do or something? I recorded um, a song that was sort of by my very, very first musical obsession, which was, which was the Captain and Sneal. And I did a cover of, of Do That To Me One More Time. Oh, I was hoping you were going to say Muskrat Love. <laughs> Randy, come on. I did do a dance to that, though, in, thir in third grade. Did you? <laughs> I love Captain Antoniel. So you recorded Do It To Me One More Time? I did. And I'm actually, it's sort of a, I did a thing on, on, my, on my Facebook page this past week. Anyone who writes a review on iTunes gets an unreleased track, and that's what I'm giving them. So, <laughs> I mean, you know what? Because I, I, I really chose it. I mean, even though it's not really a female artist because they're a duo, but even though she's obviously the singer is female. Right. But, but it's one of those songs that just kind of feels good to sing and feels good to hear. But when I was, getting, when I was finishing everything on the album, it just didn't fit. It's interesting. Even though the track that we did was updated, it sort of had like a baby face kind of vibe. Cool. It still sounded much more dated than the other songs. Well, you know, maybe that's another project is to take songs from the, the 70s, 80s and, and reinvent them in your own Zarly-esque way and, and do an album of that. Oh, my God. I'm just going to be a cover artist. I'm going to be like a big... <laughs> Are we doing weddings? The cover song thing is a big deal online, isn't it? Like with YouTube and a lot of artists oh, yeah. do this. I think most people have like, you know, secret desires to sing certain artist songs that they never really would get a chance to do. It gives them that opportunity and an excuse to do it. Yeah. I mean, for me, it was also just a chance to just, like, worry about just singing. Right. And not writing the song. And so when, you're, when the song's already written and when it's a great song and you, and you do kind of want to put your own spin on it, it makes it much easier because it's already a great song. So you can kind of, you know, do your own thing to a certain degree. But this is also the first album that I produced by myself. Ah. So that in itself was much more of a responsibility for me. But having said that, I didn't have to write the song, so that took a big chunk of the responsibility away as well. But it was great. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't program music, so I made a conscious decision in the beginning that this is all going to be live musicians playing every song, which is unusual for a pop record. I mean, there's no sampled music at all. There's no fake strings. There's nothing. No fake drums. Nothing. Right. The whole album really leans in the stripped-down acoustic vein, which I love, by the way, because it really showcases your voice and the melody and the lyrics. Oh, thank you. I mean, you know what? It, 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 takes, it takes a little bit of the datedness out of the song, too. It gives it more of a timeless kind of sensibility um, when you kind of strip everything away. And, you know, a lot of, a lot of these songs, too, I, I have heard them in different ways for a long time. I was excited to sort of present that. That was really fun to do. I mean, it's interesting because you really couldn't do, like, perfect examples like uh, Together Again. I, I, think, I think I may have told you this, but it, it's always sounded like um, a lullaby to me. I think it's just a, such a sweet little melody, and the, and, the, and the message is so sweet. I thought, we just got to do this with just a viola and a guitar, and that's it. So there's no drums. There's no bass. Did you consciously think about reinventing the songs, or were you just going for a feel and whatever that ended up being? Well, with, like, Together Again, as an example... I knew that I wanted the song to keep building with each phrase, mm -hmm. so I would make the background parts B 
bigger and bigger all the way up until the choir comes in at the end. It's just me singing all the vocals up until the choir at the very end. That was a conscious decision in the arrangement. Um, other than that, I mean, that really was the only song that I really said, I'm going to do that. And it's different than what the original was. You talk about wanting to sing these songs because, you know, all of us at some point, we have these songs that we, we'd want to sing if we could or something. Most of us sing them in, in the shower. You actually record them. Um, what do you think it is about <laughs> uh, those that can do? What do you think it is about our musical queens, our divas, that gay men in particular gravitate to these divas songs? Because they're melodramatic. No, um, <laughs> well, no because they're, I think they're, they're highly emotional. I think that that's, I mean, I don't want to say gay men are more emotional than straight men because that's not really probably true. But but would you say they, that they're in touch with their female side a little more? Maybe, and maybe don't have a problem with exposing it. Uh-huh. Good answer. And sharing it with, with, um, with an audience. And, you know, I, I say this jokingly, but I, I, I kind of believe it. I mean, women have always, always had the better songs. Right. Right. They do. They do. They do. I mean, come on. They do. We, we, we always said that in theater and, in, in, you know, Broadway shows. It's oh, always yeah. better. Well, speaking of gravitating, did you see what I did there? You're going to figure it out in a second. Good. Gravitating. I wanted to ask about a few songs before I play them. And the first song I want to talk about was your recording of Sarah Bareilles' gorgeous Gravity. I've sent it to several friends. They love the spare arrangement because it puts, like I mentioned earlier, it kind of puts the focus right on the emotion of the lyric and the melody and your voice, and that's it. There's no accompaniment tricks in this track. Well, what's interesting about it, it's, it's actually, it's probably bigger than hers, which is the weird thing about it. Like, there's definitely more strings in my version than hers. I mean, I love her string arrangement, though, because it's, it's so, it's so unusual. It's almost like a, it's almost like a pulse going through instead of a traditional sort of orchestral sound. And, and plus her, her piano arrangement is incredible. She's an incredible, you know, keyboard player. So it's had a little bit of a different vibe. And Davey Nathan played the piano on my version. He's, you know, Tony Braxton's music director and, he comes from, you know, the R&B world. He's working with Rodney Jerkins now, and so he's very much in that sort of world. So I think from the get-go, it has a little bit of a soulfulness right away just by his playing. And the song itself is probably my favorite song of all time, honestly. And I just, I always wanted to record it, and I was just, like, overjoyed about doing it for this. But I have, some, I, have I ever told you the stories about the sessions for this song? Did I tell you the story about No. This? Gravity was the first song I recorded for this project, and it was probably a year and a half ago. And in that year and a half, up until the time um, when I was going to do the strings for the, for the song and then mix it, it was probably like nine months probably went by. And I went back to uh, get it off of a hard drive, and I couldn't find it. I couldn't find the dry a cappella vocal. I spent a lot of time on it. I was really proud of it. I was like, I'm really happy with how, how it comes off. And I said, there's no way I'll be able to sing this as well. And so I kept putting it off and putting it off and putting it off. And finally, I was like, I have to re-sing it. I got to do it. Otherwise, I can't put it on the album. So I went in and I re-recorded the song one evening. I just came in like at 10 o'clock at night. And it was probably 1 o'clock in the morning when I finished. And I felt really good about it. I was, I was relieved. I thought it even sounded better than the, the first pass. I was going just to close out the session. And it, I got the wheel of death. <laughs> oh, my God. And I said, no way. So I left the room for like five, ten minutes, and you know me. I uh -huh. just collect myself. <laughs> I came back, and by the time I got back, I had already talked myself into the thing that this is going to be a lost cause. And I came in, and that wheel was still going. And I got so ticked off. I said, I said, F it. I'll just do it again. I'll do it better. And I forced quit that thing. I shut it down. I went back and looked, and that whole session was gone. 
Wow. You didn't Social like save dialogue. in the middle of it or, or No, it has, it has an auto save feature, but for some reason it didn't The whole save thing it. was gone. Yeah. Whole thing was gone. And so I started from the from the top of the song and recorded the whole thing again. That's what you hear now. It, really? But, uh, wow. <laughs> and it actually, it actually turned out better than the, that, you know, the one prior. So it, was, it all worked out fine. But it was a lot of drama to get that song finished. It was really funny. It's funny now. It was not funny in the moment at all. You can ask my dog. I mean, I was like screaming <laughs> at my computer and my. Oh God, it was not good. Well, let's but. take a listen to your cover of Sarah Bareilles' "Gravity." me back to you it never takes too long and no matter what I say or do I still feel you here to the moment I'm gone you hold me without touch you keep me Without change I never wanted anything so much Than to drown in your love And not feel your Oh, you're on to me 
moments in that track we, we all love the big notes you know I mean it's always fun but at the end of the bridge you do that big note I, I decrescendo and you decrescendo and but you don't even just decrescendo and let go you decrescendo you fall off you fall off again you fall off, you like so take your time I, I know I'm being fanboy right now but you really give us this whole I caress a little bit you really do because I don't think a lot of people can do that, I'll be honest with you. Thank you, Randy. That's, That's just nice. me, you Thank know. You. I really like that moment. I mean, it's so. a very I mean, it's literally the definition of release. I, it just feels like you've you've hit this note and then you, but instead of just letting go of the note and letting us go with the violins, you like stay with us in there. And it's like it's tender and like yeah. sweet and it's not like I mean, what I love what, what Sarah does in her version is incredible. I mean, she she actually takes it back up. And it's funny when I, you know, the very first time I started working on the song, I tried to do what she did. And I it didn't, it, I couldn't do it really. It didn't sound good in what in what she did. Uh, so I just made my own thing. <laughs> but thank you for noticing that. I was very. The other thing you did was you did not bring in any percussion in the bridge. You let the strings be the rhythm section. Yeah, I didn't want to bring in strings. I mean, and, and uh, drums. I mean, because I I felt like it was going to sound like a big power ballad all of a sudden, and it's not. And it, it, even though it sort of is, it's more sophisticated than a power ballad to me. And there's something really simple about the song, and that's what I love about her version too. It's just it's it's unique in a way, and it kind of sounds timeless. I don't know. We're we're talking about this song, but but regarding regarding all the songs on the album, in working on them, in rehearsing them, recording them, working on them, was there a surprise in any of the songs, like an, an emotional surprise when you when you started singing through as an actor with the lyric, go oh wow, oh, yes. there's this whole thing there, you know, as opposed to singing oh, yeah. in your car for years and years and you love that, but now that you're actually recording it, oh yeah, I mean there was one song in particular that was that was really. It was at, at times it was hard to get through it, and it sounds so like, oh please get over yourself. And it's Sarah Bareilles' other song on this album. Yeah, the first time I heard it, I was like, okay, this is one of the greatest songs ever for a musical written. It's from Waitress. And when I saw this, it's funny. I recorded this. I was done with it already. And then I went to New York to work on this project that I'm co-producing, and I went and saw Waitress when I was there. That moment comes in the show, and and it's just one of those moments. It's just an iconic moment in the show, and and for her as an actress and singer, and just. In theater in general, it's, it's an incredibly beautiful moment. And it's so intimate because the lyric is just, it's not a point of view that you hear too often in a pop song. You know, because the original title of the song is She Used to Be Mine. I think, oh, what, is Justin Mueller a lesbian in Waitress? No, she's, she's singing about herself, like that girl that was unafraid to take chances and, and lived life to the fullest is not there anymore. You know, I think when you get to be a certain age, a certain point in your life, you know, it's natural to sort of, you know, take a moment and look back and or take or take many moments and look back, which I do. You know, what could I have done differently that would have maybe produced a result that I would have been more happy with or whatever you're thinking. And this particular song really, it's, it really strikes a chord for me personally. And I mean, I would start breaking down. But when I saw the show, I first thing I did, I came back to L.A. and I re-recorded the whole song. So there was a revelation for you in... Revelation. And there's a moment in the in the bridge where I take it up really high at one point. I just it's one of those things that that just happened organically in the moment. I, I went back to like redo that part. I'm like, I can't do it again. I can't do it like that. Those moments that happen sometimes and there were some moments in, in in I Will Always Love You too, like when I was doing that. And I was like, Oh, 
I can't really do that again. Like, I'm not going to create that sort of moment that kind of feels authentic in, in, the, in the moment. So, so yeah, I learned all that. And, you know, having a mic in, in your home and being able to record is such a gift and such a luxury, even though it's so cheap to do it now. I mean, it's just you can do, do this stuff and find out all these little nuances that you didn't know you had, which has been such, I mean, a really invaluable time for me as a singer, for sure. The second song I want to play is one of your duets. You have two duets on the album. You work with Jeb Havens, who I just adore, and the two of you together are so great on Pink's Fucking Perfect. I I just adore it. But the song I want to play actually is from – it's a collaboration with you and your longtime friend, Owen, Tony Ward winner for Kinky Boots, Billy Porter, the Billy Porter. The Billy Porter, yeah. On Desiree's hit, You Gotta Be, which is a great – choice for you two, by the way, because what's interesting about the song and the way you guys approach it, it seems to me, is you're both great recording artists. You both recorded a lot, but you're not really exactly the same thing. You're you're more pop. He's more R&B soul. But this song is like the perfect bridge for you guys. Like you, you both like me on this, this great well, I think, ground. I think what's interesting, I think when the song came out, I mean, I remember vividly when that song was on the radio. Like I... It was it was summer. I was I was in D.C. doing a show, and you could not get away from that song. It was everywhere you turned was that that song, and I loved it. And I remember, you know, Billy and I were friends obviously then, and Billy loved it too. And and but it's one of those songs also that you just kind of forget about, and then you're like, oh my god, I forgot that song. I love that song. That's one of those. You know what I mean? And so when I tell people, like I say, you know, the the title, and they're like, what what is that? I said, you gotta be bad. Like, oh yeah, I love that song. I mean, that's everyone's. <laughs> It's just so funny. Yeah, I mean, for, for Billy and I, I know with this project, and we, you know, we've, we've been trying to do a duet together for a while. And with this particular project, it felt sort of the right time and in his schedule and, and just what the project was about. And then we're trying to decide on a song. And for a minute, I thought maybe, I thought maybe Together Again would be a duet. I don't know exactly what I was looking at, but it popped in my head one day, Desiree. And I texted him. He's like, let me get back to you on that. And like an hour later, he's like, yes, that's it. Ah, there you go. Well, it's it's way sassy and soulful, and the bridge is is your creation, actually. Like the bridge is where the two of you kind of do your own thing, but you do it together at the same time. And yeah. it's it it's just, like the first time I heard the bridge, I just went, "Well, that's Billy and Matt." Of course, it is. Well, it's funny because you know we have been friends for so long, and I mean, I will admit, I mean, Billy's been a huge influence on me as a singer for sure. He knows my voice really well, too, which is very funny because he sort of imitates me, <laughs> and I imitate him. And so it finds some sort of happy medium, and it sounds like really good together because <laughs> we're kind of imitating each other. I mean, literally, there are points in the song when we were, you know, I was mixing it, and I was like, is that Billy or me? I can't remember who's singing that part. <laughs> we did our vocals separately, and we, and we weren't going to do them separately originally, but with scheduling and you know the deadline, I wanted to get the album out you know, uh, in time for women's day and billy's schedule was really hectic in new york and so it just sort of worked out that we did them separately but i did all these background vocals just as sort of a buffer in case billy didn't have time to do any background vocals and then billy sent me all of his background vocals which were a counterpoint to what i did and i was like <laughs> oh god this is amazing great the other thing i love about it is this is so up it's so bouncy and it would be easy to like do like an entire album of cover ballads power ballads well, that's, you do that's, power that's, ballads that's, that's so well point i was going to make that's pretty much the biggest point for Billy and I both, and we agreed that we did not want to do a ballad. And we also wanted to do a song that had some sort of weight to it and some meaning and some re- you know, relevancy to right now. 
and this song speaks to this this moment. So, well, let's take a listen to "You Gotta Be" with Matt Zarley and Billy Porter. Listen as your day unfolds. Challenge what the future holds. Try and keep your head up to the sky. Lovers, they may cause you tears. Go ahead, release your fears. Stand up and be counted. Don't be ashamed to cry. You gotta be, you gotta be bad. You gotta be bold. You gotta be wiser. You gotta be hard. You gotta be tough. couldn't tell at the end who was who i mean there's one part that just makes me laugh it's because it's just so stupid <laughs> and that breakdown that we go um gotta be wiser how <laughs> like stars would be, but it's just so stupid <laughs> it makes me smile i mean it's like i just i hear like you know 30 years of friendship in that song it's really sweet to me and i'm, I'm really thankful that we have that moment so 
one last song I want to bring up because it is easily one of my favorite songs. I know it's one of your favorite songs, but you kind of sing on holy ground here, written and originally recorded by Dolly Parton and then covered to even greater success by Whitney Houston. I Will Always Love You. I know she's such a huge influence on your music and singing. And this, her recording was perfection to me. I, I think it was one of the greatest things she ever did, in my it's opinion. It's the platinum standard. It's the platinum standard for singers. I mean, that is... Did you have any trepidation about it, or... I don't know if it's because I've been singing the song, like, subliminally my whole life or something. I mean, I, I knew the song when, when Dolly did it for... Dolly actually recorded it twice. Or maybe even three times it was released as a single, but it was released as a single with Bessel Whorehouse. You redid it for that, and and that was the first time I ever heard it, and I loved it. Even then, I was like kind of kind of obsessed with it. Well, I should throw in here. I hear. I, I wouldn't say this is this isn't the Whitney cover because I hear there's I hear Dolly in here too. It's really both. I mean, and and I, I'll be completely honest. I didn't. I did not listen to either version when I was doing it, but I was kind of shocked at at how it turned out. I didn't think it was going to really turn out worthy enough of releasing it because it's kind of sacrilegious it was taking a big risk to re- i mean who am i to sing that song and release it as, <laughs> as you know a, you know a release a commercial release but it turned out you know pretty good i think and i'm happy with it and it, it is different enough from both yet sort of homage to both as well let's listen to matt zarley's cover of the awesome i will always love you if I should stay, I would only be in your way, so I'll go, but I know I'll think of you. Every step of the way And I
life treats you kind And I hope you have all you dreamed of And I wish you joy and happiness But above all this, I wish you love be so proud oh i am i i, I am because it's like i said it's kind of sacrilegious to do that song so it's like I'm, i have balls i guess to even do it to begin with but yeah i'm really proud of that how it turned out it's, and she's kind of shocked actually <laughs> <laughs> listening back going, oh god i did do that one of the things i always love about your recordings you do this so well your background harmonies are so awesome. And on this album, like for instance, to the listeners, go download The Heart of the Matter uh, from this album, the, uh, which Matt does to honor Indiari. And your background vocals are, are like art on, oh, that on is these so tracks. Sweet of you. I Thank mean, it, you. it really Thank you for is. That. I put a lot of time into that song in particular. Well, Randy, and I'll be, I'll be completely honest with you and your listeners, I didn't know I could do it. Because I don't, I, I never really thought of myself as having like this amazing ear. It's gotten better and better and better over the years that I've been uh, recording, especially at home, because I'm in here all the time. And so I, I uh, and just by repetition, you get better, hopefully. <laughs> With this particular album, Heart of the Matter, I think was the second song I recorded. I always knew I wanted to do it. I think it's one of the greatest songs ever written. I mean, just the lyrics alone and the hook itself. I mean, the whole forgiveness tag is just like, it's just one of those songs you just can't help but feel sort of lifted by it. And I knew I wanted to do like sort of, Oh, not over the top, but you know, more complex backgrounds with that song. I just wanted to have that sort of quality, because even with India's version, it's not. She doesn't have a lot of stuff. This definitely has more than hers. But I, I don't know. I just I, I knew from the beginning that I wanted to have that quality. I worked a long, long time for that one, but I'm I'm really proud of that one in terms of the background vocals. A great example of expert sonic backup. It it's like its yeah, own character so nice throughout. I, it really is. Well, thank you so much for having time to chat about the album. The, the name of the album is The Estrogen Sessions. Now on iTunes, on all digital downloads. Go get it, go get it, go get it. You're going to sing along to all these songs because you already do. And I, I will point out that you made a point there too 
about lifting up and being uplifting and being positive. A lot of these songs really do lean in that direction. And uh, one of my my favorite, favorite, in my review uh, for The Randy Report, I did write that your cover of Whitney Houston's I Look to You finally find its destiny. Oh, that was one of the nicest things anyone's ever said about anything I've done. I mean, that really is like, I need to quote, I actually, I'm going to take that quote and put it on my, on my website. <laughs> you just reminded me to do that. I mean, really, it was like such a nice thing to say. And you know why I say that is, you know, I loved Whitney. You and I have known each other forever. If, in case the listeners don't know, we've known each other forever. And we used to get together in New York when we were actors, and we would watch everything Whitney did on TV. And, like, the American Music Awards performance of, like, what, 1992 or something that was so spectacular when she did the three songs. Oh, Porgy and Bess. Porgy and Bess, yeah. And we just lost our crap. And I mean, Billy and I, no joke, would literally sit in my apartment on 85th Street in Amsterdam and just study her. I mean, seriously. I mean, it's hysterical. And you and I did that too, I think. Oh yeah, and but when she released "I Look to You," it was it was the last lead single off of her last album. As big a fan as I was, and also we would admit when Whitney was not quite on her game. Remember when she did the live HBO concert, and the first she, one. It, it, I I I can't remember if it was the first or the second, and she she did a Friday night show as a dress rehearsal and sang her voice out. Oh, that was the, that was the, that was the second one. Yeah, the that second was the Africa one. The African, that's what I thought. And then she gets to Sunday, the live concert that's televised around the world, and she ain't got no voice. That Welcome Home Heroes concert, which is her first one for uh-huh. HBO, it was is flawless. That's, flawless. that's the one that we used to watch all the time. I mean, flawless. it's like crazy good. <laughs> like, and what is she, happening with this woman's voice? But she, there she is doing, doing the second one, and like she's talking so much between songs, so she's got no voice, and she knows it. She's trying to talk. She's trying to talk. She's trying to talk. Bless her heart. And along the same lines with I Look to You, I remember watching her. You know, it was a big deal that, that Whitney had come back. It was really kind of a comeback album. It should not have, it should not have been released, in my opinion. I was like, I, it just didn't come out. <laughs> and I remember her singing on Good Morning America, and she was like live in the park in New York City. And she's singing, and she did the first verse, and the camera was close up, and she did sing live. And then for the entire rest of the song, they did a long shot. From the back of the audience, and you could hear. Oh, they slipped in her vocals, then. And probably. they slipped in her, yes, and they slipped in the vocals from the recording, and you could hear yeah. it. But even her recording, I mean, in all due respect to her and her memory, you know, worship her. The recording is not very good, and the track isn't very. It sounds half baked and never. It never got the life it should have gotten. I mean, twenty years ago, it would have been the greatest song ever. You you expected her to go there. You you want not about expect, but you you wanted her. To go there, and I will say with with your recording of this, and it's really one of the only tracks on this album that, that you actually do kind of get big and full with with the production and everything. Well, yeah, and that was actually recorded um, before I decided to do this album. And Andy actually, Andy and I produced that together, so there's a lot of programs. That's the old, and that's why it's a bonus cut. <laughs> but yeah, we, we threw that key change in there, which wasn't in her version, and. Oh, it's, um, it, it feels to me like what she probably wanted it to be, but – and I, I don't mean to be unkind. I don't. I worship that. No, at, but at, I mean, we all know what's going of, on. Of Whitney. But this is what she probably would have wanted to do. And, and so that's why I say the song finally finds its destiny uh, in your version. I really think this is what it should have been from the beginning. So um, go, go buy the album, everyone. Matt, thank you so much for taking the time to talk about all of this music. Congratulations on a gorgeous album. Oh, I love that. Thank you. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you.
And that brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you'd like to stay up to date on LGBT entertainment, pop culture, and political news, hit the subscribe button on my page on iTunes, and every time I upload a new episode, it'll be sent straight to you for your listening ease. And remember, you can find me every single day on the internet at therandyreport.com, where I follow the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBT community. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next time.